0: It's Friday, September 2nd. She-Hope continues to be funny. House of Dragons continues to impress. And what's going on with Phase 4? I'm Jake Alexander, and this is the Tweakle Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's Jake Alexander, the voice and the void, the lone wolf, your favorite host with the list. Welcome back to another episode of the two equal podcast and welcome to a long weekend. It is Labor Day weekend and I cannot wait. I took an extra day off. So while most of you will have a three day weekend, I will have a four day weekend and I am going to enjoy it. I'm going to go see a few movies that I've missed. I am going to get some uh, one last chance in on the grill for the kids this weekend. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to just hang out with the kids and do absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, Labor Day, like I said, is this weekend, and then it's back to school for the kids. And even though some some kids are already back into school, we need to like get that under control. Some, some kids starting in June, some starting in the end of July. You got kids going back to school in August and September. It, it Shouldn't it be uniform, I would suspect? Yeah, it, it should be uniform, and we need to overhaul the, the schooling system as is, but I digress. Uh, I'm just happy that you all tuned in for another episode. We're going to be talking about... Um, The third episode of She-Hulk, House of Dragons, which got a lot better in that second episode. It was a really good episode. And uh, I want to talk to you about Phase 4, and what's going on with Phase 4 in in the MCU, because I think everybody is looking at it slightly wrong, (laughs) in my opinion. And I'm going to give you my opinion on it. And uh, I got some news for you. And, of course, we got the weekend watch list in the uh, last call. So let's get into it. let's get cracking with the news that henry cavill is back now there hasn't been an official announcement but we are being told that henry cavill is back and he's back for the long haul uh can you say man of steel 2? because apparently he will be in multiple movies not just you know in the flash and whatever else comes on but yeah he's been in hollywood uh doing other things but it is also said that he's been in hollywood getting a fitting for a new superman suit so that's good of all the things that's been coming out of dc lately it's it's about time we got some damn good news henry cavill being back as superman is quite possibly the most important thing dc could have done right now so that's good um not so good for dc FanDome 2022 has been canceled now I wasn't, you know, completely heartbroken by this, but still, uh, DC Fandom has been a really big deal for the last couple of years, especially through the pandemic. Uh, It was nice for DC to connect with its fans online, Um, but according to them, they're going back, you know, with everybody going back to doing in-person cons, they're going to cancel it this year and reschedule it for another year and probably move back to in-person. I still think they should have done it. Uh, DC Fandom 2022 should have been done online and they should have announced that hey next year it won't be online it'll be in person and you know make sure you keep up with news and so that it would that would have been some more good news but nope the cuts continue and <laughs> then DC Fandom is its latest victim um good news for movies uh if you're a fan of the Triple X series which I am a huge fan of the Triple X I loved all three movies. I know the second one with uh, Ice Cube most people really didn't like, but I, I really liked it. Um Triple X 4 is now in development. Uh it's now in development. Vin Diesel will return and it seems like he's pushing to have Jason Momoa added to uh the cast for whatever role. I'm all for that Jason Momoa versus Vin Diesel returning to the franchise that made him an action star, really in my opinion. Um Riddick came before um triple x but to me uh triple x was the one series where he flexed who he really was as an action star which led into all of the other stuff that he's done um i i can't wait for triple x to come out triple the triple x series is the main reason why i said we don't need to see a black james bond james bond doesn't need to be black if we want to have our own black or minority um Uh, action stars for spy movies triple x was the perfect vehicle it's modern it's up to date triple x is just a code name just like 007 so it can be anybody and you can swap in and out of anybody you want to and it will always make sense uh if you've never seen any other triple x movies watch all three i guarantee you you will like all three of them um also in development is salt 2 so um if you've never seen the first salt movie it's another kind of spy-ish thriller action movie um it was a really good movie it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination um, i'm trying to remember the uh the, the woman's name that was in. she played lara croft i always forget her name when i'm talking about her um but she started Salt. it was a really good movie so part two is supposed to be in development i can't wait till that comes out when i get more news on that i'll let you know um next in the news elizabeth olsen our very own scarlet witch we all love her she's in talk to join house of dragon season two now they were already done with season one they're obviously rolling out the episodes we'll be talking about episode two and a few um but yeah they're talking to her to join uh season two for house of dragon when it comes up now the co-showrunner I forget his name right now but the co-showrunner for uh, house of dragon just left the show just this past week on wednesday so i don't know how that's going to affect the show going forward probably not much but still, it's something we can uh, ought to keep track of. Um, but yeah, her joining House of Dragon, it sort of makes sense. She 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 has the feel for it, the look of it, uh, with everything she's done with Scarlet Witch. So uh, if she actually does join the cast, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be really good. Um, also, uh, as far as as far as Marvel goes, a little tinge to it. Michael B. Jordan looks like he's going to be in Black Panther 2. I said that. I really thought he needs to be in Black Panther 2 with Chadwick Boseman passing. They need to have him come back, even if his uh, character Killmonger is in jail, in Wakanda. They need to have him come back, right? With, with, with us missing Chadwick Boseman, you need that extra male, black male star power to and kind of anchor the movie down before they pass the mantle to Shuri. I'm still believing it's going to be Shuri for the film, uh, even if it's only temporary. Um, but yeah, it looks like he's going to return for not only Black Panther 2, but two other Marvel projects um we kind of should have seen this coming uh, he voiced killmonger in the what if series and he did a fantastic job for it with them now announcing that it's going to be secret wars um coming down the pipeline for marvel they're going to need all hands on deck every character every person back in character for some where they're just basically going to play different variations of those particular characters in the secret wars movie it look it's all going to make sense down the line um, like i said we should have saw this coming and i can't wait to see him back on screen inside the marvel cinematic universe um if you are a fan of saturday night live then you probably already know kate mckinnon ad bryant kyle mooney and pete Davidson are not returning to the cast starting next year which is saturday night Live's 48th season yeah it's been around for quite a while um but just yesterday thursday they announced that also alex Moffat, melissa villasenor and aristotle who just started on Saturday Night Live just last year. They're not returning either. This is a big turnover. Now, don't get me wrong. I have not really been interested in Saturday Night Live in quite a few years. Why? Because Saturday Night Live has not been really funny for (laughs) quite a few years. And when you really think about how society is so turning against comedians and so on its head about free speech The one show that has always stood the test of time as far as being a place where free speech reigned and comedians could flex their muscle and almost say pretty much anything they wanted to on screen, right? Um, Saturday Night Live was always a haven for that, but the way things are now, you can't. And, and, and um, Saturday Night Live is going to take the biggest hit because if comedians can't go on there and be themselves and tell the jokes because somebody may be offended and they might be canceled or, uh, you know, uh, enough, uh, enough uproar and you could be fired or enough uproar and then advertisers, which is where uh, NBC makes all the money for Saturday Night Live, um, it, enough uproar and, you know, advertisers leave. It, it's not going to be the same show. This is not the not ready for primetime players like it was when it was um, Billy Crystal and uh, Eddie Murphy and, and hell, even when it was Richard Pryor and and, and Jim Belushi and all of them. It's not the same anymore and it's not going to be the same for quite a while until we get this uh, nonsense of castle culture out of the way. It's going to have to do one hell of a backspin in order for it to go back to what it used to be. So. Uh, all those people are leaving Saturday Night Live. It's still going to have a handful of familiar faces. Um, I don't particularly know who's still on there that I am going to actually really care about. Now <laughs> I'll, I'll keep tuning into Saturday Night Live. Hopefully, um, at least they still have good music guests every week, right? Um, In video game news, if you are a fan of the Mafia series, Mafia 4 is now in development. Um, The GM of Hangar 13, the game's developing company, he says that it's still a few years away. So don't get happy and thinking it's coming like very, very soon. It's not Um, my opinion. Honestly, if they're going to do a new game. It needs to be set in old Las Vegas when Las Vegas first started. Honestly, after setting it in Chicago, I know some people will probably say, we'll move it to New York where the Mafia really was just like Chicago. But I think Las Vegas would be a hell of a lot more interesting. Uh, outside of New York, Vegas is really the only place you could probably possibly move it to. Uh, I don't know where they're going to move it to. Either way, when the game comes out I'll let you, or whenever we get other news, I'll let you know. Um, ending the news today, let's talk about Madonna now michael jackson is the king of pop we all know that it is not harry styles if you want to argue with that go argue with your mama because i don't want to hear it um but madonna is 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 just like michael you can't argue she's the queen of pop and her latest accomplishment pretty much cements that so she just dropped a new album called madam x that's her new album um so it reached if i'm not mistaken number eight on the billboard 200 top 10 it went right to number eight as soon as it was, it was released and with that she is now the first woman in billboard history to have uh, a top 10 album on the billboard 200 for five decades that's the 80s the 90s the 2000s the 2010s and now the 2020s now it, she's not the first to uh have five decades but she's the first woman to have five decades like i said michael jackson is and will forever for will forever be the king of pop And Madonna will forever be the queen of pop. Uh, That's just how it is. If you don't like it, like I said, go argue with your mom because I don't want to hear it. (laughs) That's all the news for now. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about House of Dragon Episode 2. So now House of Dragon Episode 2 was better. A lot better. It actually made me want to keep watching the show. Thank God it was full of twists that I, I did not see coming and a few that I did see coming. Um, thankfully, it did a lot to ingratiate a few uh, of the characters that I didn't like much. And I I actually understand motivations a little bit more and it makes the show more enjoyable. So let's recap it real, real quickly. Um, the whole story uh, this week revolved around King Viserys uh, taking a new wife. No one is really truly about him uh, really, truly worried about him being lonely or grieving or anything like that, except for maybe his daughter, Rhaenyra. Um the entire small council that he talks with. They only want him to remarry in order to hopefully produce a son and a new heir because they do not want a woman on the Iron Throne. And um, although he, as the king, he has named his daughter his, uh, his overall, his heir over uh, his brother, Damon, who he, remember, he sent away at the end of last week's episode. They would much rather have a male ascend to the Iron Throne, just as, uh, Lady Valerian says, "Men would sooner put the realm to torch than see a woman ascend to the Iron Throne," and that is not—that is really like not something to joke about because that's pretty much foreshadowing everything all the way to Daenerys in Game of Thrones, right? Um, so, to that end, the King's Hand Otto Hightower and Lord Corlys—they're maneuvering to get the King to marry their respective daughters. Um, each man has his own motives. Hightower is basically trying to assume influence and power by basically becoming the king's uh, (laughs) brother-in-law sort of (laughs) and uh and basically you know just have influence and power by by being very by being so connected to the king um um lord corliss is basically trying to do the exact same thing but he's also trying to get the Uh, shipping lanes to remain intact because he runs and owns a a vast uh, shipping fleet. Um, And all those shipping lanes are now being um, threatened by uh, some pirate called the crab feeder. I thought that was a pretty good damn name. You don't really hear names like that for pirates on shows. I thought the crab feeder was cool. Um, He gets that name from, um, he has a proclivity, uh, proclivity of ransacking ships and then taking the sailors that survive and staking them to the wrecks of those ships. So the crabs can feed on them. I bet you didn't know that crabs could actually do that did you because i didn't either i thought crabs were uh, but that's a whole different story i digress um in the meantime the king's brother who was sent away damon he's now seething after being sent from court and is forced to say in dragonstone which is the ancestral seat of power for the Targaryen line. Uh, while there, he has built a personal army of his gold cloaks and decided to take a second wife, he even goes so far as to steal a dragon to, Ed to present to his quote unquote unborn child. But all that's a rules to draw. All, all of that is a ruse to draw his brother out for a fight. Um, Lord Hightower decides that he'll go instead and confront Damon. There's a really good tense standoff on the bridge leading up to Dragonstone. Damon even has the, a dragon ready to fight. Uh, on his side um, it all draws to a close as Renera comes out of nowhere with her personal dragon and faces her uncle Damon um, she tells him that she not anyone else is the object of his ire, and she basically dares him to kill her right then and there and or just end all the foolishness he doesn't obviously and it, it's it's really funny because if you watch the scene you can see just how much like her uncle Damon she really is um Rhaenyra, uh, Rhaenyra she gets the egg back and takes it back to where it's supposed to be. And then she's basically scolded by her father for going there in the first place. Uh, the show ends with the King choosing a new wife, the daughter of Otto Hightower, Alison. It was to be expected though, when you think of it, Viserys is weak Had he been more like Damon, his brother. He probably would have married Lena just to keep the bloodline as pure as possible. Considering that Lord Corliss is married to his cousin, Lady Bela. In that respect, Lord Corliss basically played himself, um, so by the look on everyone's faces at the small council, when he announces this betrayal swings wide and you can see it on the faces of Rhaenyra and Lord Corlys. Um the treachery is really starting to amp up because as the episode comes to a close, we see Valerian and Prince Damon plotting and we actually get our first look at the crab feeder who I don't, I don't scare easily, but dude looks very intimidating. Um, it was a really, really good episode. I like the characters more than before. Uh, there's a hell of a lot more backstabbing than you can keep track of. I was really uncomfortable though watching Viserys and, Valera's, and Valerian's daughter Lena, quote unquote, court. Lena is twelve, and the actress looks way younger than that. It was super weird to watch, super cringy. I mean, I get that. Like back then, in those times, the way the show where when the show is based. It was very common, but man, yikes, that was hard to watch. I mean, just watching her, like ask him questions. It was literally like watching my daughter ask me questions. And to think that this, that there was a chance that he was going to marry her. I was like, Ugh. uh, it was just, 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 just wrong. I just, I just couldn't do it. It was foul. But like I said, it was a really good episode. Uh, if I was going to rate it, it was easy eight out of 10, whatever. Uh, it's a really good uh, episode. If you haven't watched it, make sure you keep up with it. Um, And then, you know, go back and watch the first episode and then watch this episode. I'm going to take a break real quick. And when we come back, we're going to talk about She-Hulk episode three. She-Hulk returns this week with more comedy and more focus on the courtroom drama aspect of the show. Jennifer Walters has to deal with getting Emil Blonsky released on parole after he gets caught on that film Underground Fight Club with Wong. Speaking of Wong, he finally shows up to explain that he made Emil leave so he had a worthy opponent to train against as Sorcerer Supreme. Lame excuse, Wong. Sorry, we don't take it. The fact helps Jin in the long run, though, as Emil gets paroled with the express stipulation that turning into the abomination means he's going straight back to jail. Meanwhile, Jin gets roped into helping defend her ex coworker, Dennis Bukowski, because he got scammed for, get this, hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars by Megan the Stallion. Now it's not actually the the Megan the Stallion; it was a light wood elf from New Asgard that could shapeshift. Now Jen's testimony proves to be the biggest factor as she convinces the judge that Dennis is so arrogant and so foolish that he was definitely scammed into believing that it was actually Megan the Stallion. It was really cool to see the actual Megan the Stallion, though, in the courtroom for that case and in the after credit scene, breaking it down with Jen. We'll get to that a little later. Now, before the show ends, Jen is attacked by the wrecking crew. She easily fights them off and they retreat, letting us know that their boss is going to be mad that they didn't get her blood and a little more of that later. Overall, the show, this episode was so damn fun and it was filled with cameos just like it's supposed to just like the comic plus we get two super powered court cases in one show easily out of the three so far this is the best one it's an eight out of ten but really talking about she hulk we're not really talking about how good the show is because you're gonna like it or you're not really we're talking about all the easter eggs i got a bunch of them uh let's go over a few so the biggest uh the big ones that i caught uh, on my own, um, the wing that has Emil Blonsky's sale in it is numbered A113. Now, if you don't know what that is, you've probably live, been living under a rock. Um, that number is the same number that pops up in God knows how many Pixar movies. Um, that number is the classroom number at the California Institute of Arts, where so many alumni uh, uh, used to study before going to Pixar and Disney and pretty much every Hollywood studio. Um, A113 is all over the place and, and especially in Pixar movies, take a look for it and you'll, you'll find it um, there were a lot of reporters here and there, TV reporters, online reporters, reporters that are around the prison when Jen was going in and out um, the reporter in the future dress, the young lady, that one uh, she works for some fake news outlet called the Tattle which is basically stylized like E! Entertainment News um, That she's an actual entertainment anchor her name is Amanda Sellis um, she worked, she's the entertainment anchor for good day LA. Go look her up. She's a nice lady, nice, good looking woman. <laughs> now, uh, the black, uh, the black lawyer that was formerly prosecuting Blonsky, his name is Gideon Wilson. Now, get this. I had to look it up because I thought I was right. And turns out I was right. Gideon Wilson in the comics is Sam Wilson's older brother. Now, as far as I can remember, Sam and Sarah, the, the, the young lady from, uh, um, um, that was his sister in in the series, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They're the only two kids. It's just them two. So I don't know how they're going to explain this away. I can think of a, a, a good number of ways they can explain this away. Maybe they're, they don't talk about him because, you know, the family disowned him or he walked away or whatever. He thought he was too good for the family, whatever. Um, but I don't know how they're explaining it away. Um, It could just be an Easter egg by using that name. But specifically in the comics, Gideon loses his son to AIDS and winds up being a member of Gamma Corps, uh, Gamma Corps. Now, the team Gamma Corps is from World War Hulk, and they were put together specifically to take down the Hulk. And here he is as a lawyer, and he was the one prosecuting Blonsky. So maybe they just use the name as a callback to the World War Hulk uh, comic. Uh, but using Gideon Wilson, it, I don't think that's just an Easter egg. It may be something more. I hope it's something more. Um, I don't know if they would maybe use that that particular actor as the Gideon if they, they do a Gamma Core because um, in Gamma Core he was, he was younger. He, he sort of reminds me in look of uh, Luke Cage. Um it, he's not a joke either. You're talking about a guy, big black guy in Galvacore, who went 101 toe to toe with the Hulk, not Banner, the Hulk, and has gone the distance. He's not a joke. So I mean, if you've never read the story, go read it. You'll see what I'm talking about. I really hope they actually do something with Gideon Wilson, other than just using it as an Easter egg right here. <clears throat> Excuse me um wong saying uh when she when he's interviewing when jen is interviewing him in her office he's he was talking about uh a a, maybe i can cast a spell and make people forget that's obviously a direct easter egg and a direct call back to spider-man no way home um wong remembering that dr strange actually actually cast a spell is probably just because he told he told uh dr strange hey the Whatever you do, don't don't just leave me out of it, right? He even called the the uh the spell itself messy. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that was a really good Spider-Man No Way Home reference. Um, that QR code that's on that that keeps popping up. We get another QR code this week as an Easter egg. Uh, if you scan it, you get Savage She Hulk number two from 1980. Hey amen free comic books are always good right um it's not really an easter egg but i just wanted to say this they keep talking about these iron man shoes and they keep talking about the iron man number threes i don't know if it's real but i know if they keep mentioning these they better deliver them i want these iron man shoes so somebody get get word to marvel if you're going to keep talking about these damn iron man shoes you better be able to. you better deliver them or else um When Wong takes off from the parole hearing, he he is, in effect, a wanted man. The man on the one of the guys on the parole board told him, hey, you are you telling us that you took Emil Blonsky out of his cell? And Emil specifically said, let me go back, take me back to jail. Okay, cool. That gets Emil off. But you, in effect, uh, uh, committed a. prison break you took a prisoner out of jail when you weren't supposed to so you're guilty of that you just admitted that you're guilty of that Wong took his sling ring was like nope I'm out and just walked away so now Wong is a wanted man Uh, so that makes pretty much two heroes at the very moment that quote-unquote heroes that are currently wanted by the authorities Wong and Scarlet Witch Uh, that's kind of crazy uh so when jen after that parole hearing when she's leaving here's another easter egg, by the way as jen is leaving that parole hearing the the male reporter the young black man asks, hey is it true that you got your powers from a mafia hit gone wrong now that is the original comic book storyline jen gets shot through the neck no less and bruce rushes to get her a blood transfusion to save her life to save her life and that blood transfusion is is what turns her into she-hulk I told you that it was a complicated storyline, right? I was warning. i I told everybody when we reviewed, the, when we reviewed the first episode, um, I was, I applauded them for, you know, just getting right to it, giving her the, uh, Bruce's blood turning her into the hulk because the original one, the original storyline from the comic book is complicated and it's too much to go through and they changed it. And I'm glad they changed it. Can you imagine trying to tell that comic book storyline where a mafia hit goes wrong? She gets shot through the neck and Bruce just happens to be there and, and instead of taking her to the hospital he takes her to his lab to give her a, a blood transfusion. yeah you see how complicated that would have been to try to put that in in this show. yeah I'm glad they changed it. thank God for that <laughs> right um, yeah also outside of that uh, outside of the prison uh, when when they, when that young man is talking to her we get a quick glimpse of of a news van, a big blue news van, and it has the letters on the side of it, KCAV35. Now, a friend of mine, after he saw that, he immediately called me and told me, hey, did you see the news van? I said, yeah, I saw it. everything. I was like, so what's the point? He reminded me that KCAV35 is the same news station from the Breaking Bad TV show. I totally forgot about that. I have not watched Breaking Bad in quite a while. So I, w- I was glad he caught that and he I was, and he told me he's a big Breaking Bad fan. So shout out to shout out to my buddy, Rick, um, the inhibitor collar that uh, or the inhibit the inhibitor period that Emil now has to wear to keep him from turning into uh, the abomination. It's the same one that Bruce is wearing. Theoretically, it's the same one or the same thing that Bruce is wearing in episode one. Now, remember, Bruce said he's going to it was going to take time for him to make one. A lot of time has passed between. Uh, episode one and this is supposed to be like months and months on end because remember we had the um the montage of jen after losing her job she had went looking for a job it's supposed to be months and months on end so bruce could have made another one by now and she just decided she wasn't going to use it on herself um but and it's just a theory i'm just bringing this up i brought that up because it's just a theory this could be the way to open the door for the mutant registration act anybody remember that uh, if you don't remember it go watch the x-men the first x-men movie from fox way back in 99 and then you'll get what i'm talking about um that that was a, the the first one was a really good movie and i don't know if they'll actually go through with it or maybe this will lead to it but they could incorporate this idea of hey we got an inhibitor collar we can use it to track down uh people with abilities and and force and force them to wear it to keep them from using their abilities And then you can pop the X-Men into the MCU because they fight back against the idea of tracking down people and making them wear their collars and making them wear these um, collars or inhibitor bracelets or whatever they're going to use them as for. And I thought that was pretty cool that they that they brought that into the uh, episode. Now, at the end of the episode, we finally get a look at the wrecking crew. Now, the wrecking crew consists of four members, Wrecker, who is the leader, Thunderball, Bulldozer and Driver. Now, their powers come from being imbued with uh, the power, a latent power of Thor, right? After rec- after Wrecker accidentally stole some of Thor's power from him. Um, and they've gone toe-to-toe with Hercules, Thor, pretty much every hero and every villain, in that case, in, in a lot of cases, um, time and time again. They usually come out and, and be, you know, punching bags. Uh, they're just super-powered henchmen, basically. Um, now, the question is who is their boss? Cause like I say, remember at the end of it, uh, at, at the end of it, after they tried to steal Jen's blood, um, he's looking at the needle and he says, man, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get it. And the boss is going to be pissed. So the question is, who is their boss? Now in the comics, they work for Baron Zemo and the hood. Both of those, we will see them soon in Thunderbolts and Ironheart respectively. Um, but they've also worked for like leapfrog and uh, the leader. Um, the last time we saw anything close to the leader was in the Edward Norton version of the incredible Hulk movie when the guy was got knocked down on the ground and some of uh, Edward Norton's version of the Hulk blood leaked into his head and his head started to grow. Yep. That was the, the leader being introduced into the timeline. So if that movie is part of the MCU, the leader is already in the MCU. They could easily bring him in. Um, I would, I, I don't know about it being leapfrog, but they have worked for him in the, uh, in the comic, um, there was leapfrog the leapfrog uh there was two versions of it a father and a son um who knows we we don't know i'm i'm pretty sure uh, it it will be the leader it, it makes the most sense right we've seen him already he's he was obsessed with having uh, banner's blood to experiment on uh before it got in him and changed him um it wouldn't make sense for it would be the leader. So we just look out for that. Who knows how it's, how that's going to shake out. Um, the closing song, if you don't know it, is called Seize the Power by a, um, a young lady or a group, I guess, called uh, the name of it is Yannicka. It's a damn good song. If you've never listened to it all the way through, go look it up on YouTube. And and finally, we're gonna talk. Mention it real quickly. It's not an Easter egg because I'm pretty sure you've seen all of the, the memes and whatnot online. Yes, Megan the Stallion and She-Hulk, not Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk herself, were twerking together in the after credit scene in her office after Megan the Stallion becomes one of Jen's uh, clients. Uh, it's not. It, like I said, it's not an Easter egg. But let me just say this: seeing She-Hulk and Megan the Stallion twerking is just too much. It, it it was the, it's too much in a good way. I've laughed so much. This entire episode made me laugh from jump to start. Um, one of the things I did notice, I let me mention it before, um, there are there are two or three times when Jen breaks the uh, fourth wall, just like she's done thus far in the series, just like she does in the comic books. Um, when she breaks it the first time in the first episode, Bruce hears her and turns and looks at. And turns and looks at her and she looks away and looks at the camera like like she wasn't doing anything this time she does it right in front of her uh her paralegal and and pug and when they're sitting in the bar and they don't notice at all so i'm trying to think maybe just maybe because of her connection to bruce with the blood and the fact that they're family actual blood family and the fact that they're they they're both hoax maybe there is there is indeed a connection where every time she breaks the fourth wall when he's around he'll notice and everybody else won't that'll be kind of a neat little neat little thing (laughs) because if i'm not mistaken they actually do that in the comic book i don't remember if that's actually in the comic book but if i'm not mistaken it is but like i said easily this is a nine out of ten episode overall um it is the best episode of the series so far it was great to see uh tim roth come back as emil blonsky and i can't wait for him to show up Uh, again with the entire crew of the thunderbolts now we have at least four members of the thunderbolts out there, right so i i just can't wait until that happens um we're gonna take a break real quick when we come back i want to talk about phase four of the mcu in general and why i think so many people are getting the wrong idea about it so now let me say this um to start off this topic I have waffled back and forth about doing. Uh, I've tried to touch on it a few times without actually going deep into it. Um, I was going to do this exact topic last week, but I omitted it. Uh, I was going to do this topic this week, and then I scrapped everything that I had written, and I just said, nope, let it rip. Talk from what you know, and then hopefully people will understand what you're talking about. Marvel Phase Four is not what most people think Marvel is. What we've had through I'm epi- um, sorry, through Phase One, Phase Two, Phase Three, and I would say the first thing into Phase Four, um, which is Black Widow. Even though they keep saying Black Widow is Phase Three, I still say like it's Phase Four. Um, what we've had is a lot of storytelling. We've seen our heroes be badasses. We've seen Great villains, lots of uh lots of action, lots of fighting, lots of special effects, lots of Easter eggs and callbacks and call forths and it's just been a really good time through phase one, two and three, all the way up until end game. And ever since Endgame ended, there has been this idea that Marvel would continue in the exact same direction. And I was hoping that they wouldn't. I was hoping for a course correction and here we are with phase four and it is the course correction and they're doing exactly in phase four what I expected to see in phase four and most people don't like it and everybody is confused as to why Marvel took this route and I want to say this and I'm going to go through this topic real fast so just hold on to your butts. Marvel phase four is not like one through three as Marvel phase four is all about loss and how our heroes and the people within it are dealing with that loss. This is not about world building. This is not about character building. We already know the characters. When there's a new character, that's where the Disney plus shows come in. And even those Disney plus character shows still show loss and they are showing how each of these people have to deal with everything that has come before them and now that they have to deal with it what what will our heroes look like going forward and we're getting a glimpse into that one of the things also in that that i am tired of people talking about is the fact that marvel has comedy within the movies and within the shows i have read comic books all my 40 plus years as long as i could read the very first thing that I ever read on my own was a comic book. That's why I have such an affinity for comic books. That's why I believe so much in comic books. I understand when people say that they don't want comic books changed. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't want characters' sex to change or their colors to change. Unless they're like minor, minor characters being used for effect, not, then those don't particularly care. But the main characters, I don't want them to change. I want them to stay the way they are. I don't want to be pandered down to, I don't want to be used as a token. It's unnecessary. There's enough heroes of all colors, races, and creeds to go around. So I understand that. But this idea that comic books and, 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 and for this comic book movies and these shows should not have as much comedy in them, I can only say that maybe you've never read, if you are one of those people that believe that, maybe you have not read enough comic books. I have read comic books where there is all the seriousness of watching people die from cancer. Just standing there watching them die from cancer and people are still making jokes because that's the nature of comic books. Serious one moment, funny the next. Go back to serious, go back to comedy. Right now, honestly, She-Hulk is the best example of that. People think that She-Hulk is too comical, and she does too much, and I, I I, tell them consistently, and I will continue to tell them this, if you've never read the comic books, then you don't know what you're talking about. Go read them. You will see that there has always been this equal, equal mash of comedy and seriousness throughout every iteration of comics, especially with Marvel. DC has always been gods trying to find their humanity. I've always leaned toward Marvel because I could see myself in them because they're just regular people. Whether they have super soldiers serum or, you know, gamma-radiated blood or a suit of armor or being bit by a, a radioactive spider or a mutant powers, they're still just humans trying to do the very best they can to make the world a better place. I could see myself more within the Marvel characters than I could DC any day of the week. And it's good that I can see them myself in them because the truth is that comedy that most people hate so much in Marvel films and whatnot, that comedy is very human. We use comedy and jokes and levity to keep ourselves from crying in the worst of situations. We use it as a healing salve, no matter what we, no matter what we're going through, that comedy is needed. And Seeing this comedy within the MCU movies is a good thing because it's reinforcing what I've always known about Marvel characters. Regardless of their power set, regardless of where they're from, whether they're from Earth or Asgard or from Midgard or from wherever, they're still just like me. They're just normal people trying their best in a world that doesn't, you know, will never rest, <laughs> right? there, There's always some conflict for them to... Uh, have to fight but going back to how I started this phase four is all about loss and watching our heroes having to deal with loss if you don't believe me here I made a list of all the prominent characters that have been in phase four Hawkeye he's lost his hearing or losing his hearing more and more every day and in the background he's lost his purpose because without his hearing he's not really the hawk as uh as fury has called him Yes, his eyes are one thing, but his hearing has also been another. Without his hearing, he's lost his—he's lost his purpose. He's not an Avenger anymore because the team is pretty much gone. He's not working for Shield because Fury is gone. But and everything that he's known for the longest time is gone, and being Hawkeye is all he had. And he's had to give it up, so he's dealing with that, which is exactly what the show is about. Him dealing with that loss and just like the comic going on to train Kate Bishop to take his place. But they also added into the show, he basically adopts her. It gives him another purpose in training her into keeping the Hawkeye name and the legacy going. Scarlet Witch, she lost vision and literally lost her damn mind. You can't argue that. That's the biggest thing about Scarlet Witch. That's just like the comic book when she lost her children she lost her damn mind. Now she doesn't have children in the MCU yet. But just like the comic, once that great loss of love hits her, she loses her damn mind, goes crazy. Which is exactly what we saw in Multiverse of Madness. The Hulk, I would I think is he's at a loss of not control because he's under control of Banner. He's under control. Banner is under control of the Hulk thus far. But more than anybody I think the loss of the loss of Tony Stark has hit Banner the most. I think it has hit him more than anybody else. Look at the first episode when he's talking about Tony. And look at the how he's talking about him, not so much like he lost a comrade or a friend. He's talking like he lost his brother. If you look through phase 1 through 3, Tony is the only person who never treated Banner differently. He always treated Banner as an equal scientist which is all banner wanted everybody else either treated him as a weapon or as a monster that needed to be brought to heel even cap treated him like that you don't believe me go back and watch the first movie what did cap say to his face hey you need to not get angry you need to keep it under control everybody treated him differently tony is the only one that never treated him differently and the Hulk has now lost the one person he could confide in on, a, on an equal scientific or equal mental basis. Spider-Man has lost Aunt May and the connection to everything he holds dear now that the entire world has forgotten that Peter Parker even exists. Doctor Strange has lost Christine. He's lost his title as Sorcerer Supreme. He's pretty much lost Camartage because it's in ruins after the Scarlet Witch attacked it. He's lost his entire direction, He's never really had to find his direction. He was still the cocky, arrogant prick, even after he lost his hands because he became Sorcerer Supreme. But now that he's lost that, he doesn't have any direction whatsoever. Until the after credit scene, when he meets Clea, who would eventually become his wife, and he takes off to help her in the Dark Dimension. These are, like I said, they're, everybody has finally some catharsis at the end of these movies and, and uh, series. Sam Wilson and Bucky. They lost their identity and purpose. Now, yes, Sam is going to be Captain America going forward, as he should, just like the comic and Bucky will be probably at his side. But for the most part, before we get to the end of that series, they had lost their, their identity as, as uh, Avengers and had lost their entire purpose. Now that shield was gone. I mean, hell, <laughs> Sam was about to lose the family farm, couldn't even get alone, no matter how much great work he had done as being Falcon and fighting for the Avengers. All anybody wanted to know was, Hey, didn't Tony Stark pay you a salary? Well, no, we were doing it because we we're heroes and that's what heroes do. Wakanda overall. And just like us, we're reeling from Chadwick Boseman's death. They're reeling from the loss of their King. And they're going to be, they're going to have to deal with the loss of their sovereignty. Once Namor and Atlantis attacks them, the guardians have lost Gamora. Yes. They got Gamora from the other timeline, but that Gamora de- wants nothing to do with them because she doesn't know them. And Gamora, by all accounts, was the heart of their group. They're broken and fractured and still looking for a new direction as they move forward. Yeah, we get a good glimpse of them coming back together in, in Thor Love and Thunder, but they're still at a loss. And Thor, more than anybody else, through everything through uh Phase 1 through 3, he has lost the absolute most. And if you don't believe me, just... Think about it like this. The first time we see Thor, what does he lose? He loses his powers. Because Odin takes him from him. He gets his hammer back, sure, and he gets his he gets his power back, but then he loses his mother. He loses Loki for the first time. Then he loses his brother. He finally meets, he finally finds out that he loses his uh he has a sister when he loses his father, and then he loses her. He loses Asgard, he loses his Loki again. And for a short time, he has Monir, but then he then he loses Monir again. And then he loses Jane. He has lost everything, one after another, and there has never been any catharsis to him losing anything. And in all that loss, he never really learned the lesson that Odin sent him down to Midgard to learn in the first place. That, yeah, you have all the power in the world, but you can't solve everything by taking the hammer and smashing it to pieces. Remember, Odin said point told Thor point blank. A hammer is a tool to build or a hammer or a tool to destroy. He never learned that you can use Mjolnir to lift people up to build. Until until love and thunder. And now that he has love at his side, he's learning that, yes, I can still fight. I can be Thor, but I can also use it to build something else and with love at his side he's building a family. He could have had that family with the guardians but he hadn't had the catharsis with Jane yet. And now that Jane is gone and dead and in and in, in um in the afterlife with the rest of the warriors in Valhalla, now he has a chance to have that catharsis and build a new life with love at his side. How long that'll last who knows cuz Thor is headed to a fifth movie before anybody else even gets a third or fourth. But he has lost everything. Everything he has touched, he has lost. And that's what phase four was about. And that's what phase four will continue to be about until it's over. It's all about loss. Everybody is losing things and gaining new things. They're losing perspective. They're losing people. They're losing love. They're losing ground. They're losing families. They're losing homes. They're losing direction. They're losing everything only to find that, hey, I'm not a one trick pony. I'm not a one note symphony. There's more to me than just that. And if you can't understand that, then I beg the question, have you ever actually read a comic book and understood the story, not just the characters and looked at the pictures? Because every comic book that I can remember reading, that has always been a thing. Loss, catharsis, and a regaining of that, of what was lost. If you don't believe me, then how the hell do you explain what Batman is all about? How do you explain what the hell is Superman is all about? Tony Stark lost his heart, had to get another one, but he gained the ability to be Iron Man. This is what comic books is all about, and I feel sorry for people who cannot understand that. That's all I got to say about it. I am going to take a break, and when we come back, it's time for The Last Call. Stay with me. So, all right, you nerds, it's last call time. It's time to get out of here for the weekend. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode. I don't, you know I always say it. I don't care if it's 1, five, ten, 10, 100, or 1,000 of you. I'm going to always keep doing this. I just love for anybody to tune in and listen to this poker little podcast and hear me prattle on about all the stuff I love um before we get out of here i'm going to give you the weekend watch list obviously keep up with house of the dragon and she hulk if you have not already they are both really good shows i know a lot of people are going to be very upset about them being female-led but hey that's the that's the age and time we're in these are really good shows even if they were men even if they were male-led these would still be really good shows um our film pick for the week um we have two uh colossal which came out in 2016 it stars anne hathaway it is by far the second, I'm not going to say the strangest movie because Everything Everywhere All at Once is the strangest movie I've seen in quite a while. But it is probably one of these top three strangest movies I've seen in quite a while. It came out in 2016. It took me a while to see it. I had never heard of it. Uh, my buddy Corey told me about it. I watched it. It is a really funny movie. Uh, like I said, it stars Anne Hathaway. I don't know how to describe it other than it is a kaiju movie mixed with a comedy, mixed with sci fi and it just watch it it's on amazon prime of uh, video it's you just watch it you're gonna you're gonna laugh and our second film pick this week is a uh, day shift which stars jamie fox hunting vampires <laughs> yeah it's a new movie it just came out it's on netflix um i've watched half of it i, I need to sit down and watch it all the way through in one go uh the little bit of the half of it i've seen is really really good it's got a lot of comedy in it but it's still a good movie um our series pick well, I don't know how to announce this, but Lord of the Rings, the Ring of Power has finally dropped. They gave us two episodes at once. I didn't think they were going to do that. I was expecting one episode per week, but they gave us two episodes to start off with. Um, they're each over an hour. If I'm not mistaken, it was 66 minutes for one and 62 minutes for the other, whatever. Um, Lord of Rings, Ring of Power, it's on Prime Video. I don't know what to expect from this I'm just hoping it's better than the prequel movies. I didn't hate the Hobbit trilogy. I just didn't like it anywhere near as much as I liked um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but I still liked it. I'm expecting this to be just as good, if not better than the Hobbit. Uh, Will it be as good as Lord of the Rings leading into Lord of the Rings? But this is basically a prequel. Um, to the the those films this comes like in between uh the hobbit and the the lord of the rings or or actually if i'm not mistaken this may come after either way anyway whatever the lord of the rings ring of power prime video two episodes out now and we get a new episode every week if i'm not mistaken we get a new episode every week on thursday i gotta double check that and i'll let you know but yeah um our animation pick for the week tekken and bloodline over on netflix It's Tekken, it's animated, it's an anime, you're going to get exactly what you expect it to be. I'm not expecting anything other than a lot of brutality and a lot of fighting and some really cool animation. That's all I want. I'm not expecting it to be exactly like the game. I'm just just expecting it to be very cool looking and very cool uh, animation sequences for the fights. That's all I want. Um, We don't have a nostalgia pick for this week. Uh, I could have looked hard enough for one, but it doesn't matter. We have two movies, uh, uh, a series, and we have Taken Bloodline on Netflix. I think that's enough. (laughs) So it's time to go. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Like I said before, you could be anywhere else, but here you are listening to me. Uh, And that's it. Have a good weekend. Like I said, it's Labor Day weekend. I said, like I said, at the top of the show, enjoy your three days. Take care of yourself. Take care of your families. Take care of your, your friends. Be kind to yourself. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the food. Enjoy your time. And enjoy your, and just enjoy life. And I, I will end this episode the same way we end every episode. God bless. I love you. And peace. See you next time. You're listening to The Tweakle Podcast.